You invest so much time into practice, making practice harder than a game. And then games just seem simple and fun. That is where your team will end up finding their best. And when their best is needed is when they will have it. So I think coaches that really focus more on not the outcomes, but the process behind what great teams do, what great cultures do, those are the coaches that end up finding more wins just naturally because of how they do things. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Welcome back to When the Cleats Come Off. I'm so pumped to have you here. As you guys have probably noticed, we've been having this routine of doing a interview and then a solo episode. So if you knew last week, we met with Chris Fusami, which means this week we are doing a solo episode. And it's one that I spent a lot of time on making sure that it is great for your ears. So this week's episode is called 10 Ways to Know You're with a Great Coach. And this is coming from just the fact that I've been blessed by having so many amazing coaches in my careers, whether that's basketball, softball, volleyball, all the things. But there's a commonality between the best of the best And I wanted to dive into 10 ways that you can either, if you're looking for a new coach ever, or you just want to make sure this one's the right one, there are a lot of commonalities between the best coaches. So I'm excited to give you this episode. As we know, the best coaches get the most out of their players. And that's the thing. It's each player is individual. They are coached differently than the next. The standards aren't different, but the way you coach your athletes tends to be different based on the type of athlete that they are. So I was one who didn't mind getting yelled at every once in a while. Um, My youngest sister, Anna, says this all the time. I love getting yelled at because it really helps me just kind of like snap out of the funk that I was in and get back to work. And some people don't like that. Some people need to be more gingerly coached and there's nothing wrong with that. But the best coaches tend to find every athlete's best and they are constantly searching for it. Now, your athlete deserves to be coached by the very best. There should be nothing less than that. As we all know, there's different types of coaches that athletes need. But like I said, there's a commonality between the best. So I wanted to break down all 10 of these. And this could be like your hitting coach. This could be your team coach. This could be a defensive coach, strength coach, whatever. It's it's the best of the best, no matter what type of field these coaches are in. I've been, like I said, blessed to meet so many great coaches, not just in softball, but in strength and conditioning and in basketball and all these other sports. And these are the 10 ways to know you're with a great one. 
All right, let's get started. Number one on my list, they admit when they're wrong or when they make a mistake. Now, the greatest coaches that I've ever met are understanding, they're humble, they understand that they're not perfect, and they want to make sure that their athletes also know that they're not perfect. What I find that leads to disconnect when it comes to coaching is the coaches who feel like they're better than them, or they know more, or they are never wrong. And that leads to a massive disconnect between your athletes simply because your athlete now feels like they have to be perfect because their coach is perfect. But if their coach exemplifies, you know, owning when they mess up, they're likely going to be doing the same thing. This goes with parents, this goes with coaches, this goes with everything, but athletes tend to do what they see. So when a coach admits when they're wrong, it goes a super long way. The second one that I chose on my list is that they inspire you to think bigger and sometimes believe in you more than you believe in you. There is nothing better than surrounding yourself with teammates, coaches, parents who constantly remind you how great you are, um, especially on the days where you realize you're not. <laughs> like You're like, this is not one of my best days. But good coaches, they help you realize that like one bad day doesn't define you. Like who you're building to become is the reason why this bad day happened. Like this bad day is allowed to happen and they inspire you to keep going when you don't feel like going anymore When it, in regards to just deciding to keep going towards this goal. Because that's the thing, the bigger the goals that you have, the tougher the journey will be. So if you are surrounded by a coach that inspires you and makes you want to keep working and want to keep investing in yourself, even on the on the tough days, I think that's huge. And the coach that first stands out to me is my dad. So I had my dad, Scott Burkhart, on the podcast uh, earlier this year. If you ever want to go back and listen to it, it's a pretty fun story about you know my upbringing in the game and him coaching me for a long period of time in basketball and in softball. But he he is that person that he didn't have to like say like Ashley, I believe in you. He did things that made me know he believed in me, um, and it's just little things like hey, you had a tough game. Do you want to go hit in the backyard after the game? And yes, sometimes it would be like an urgent, let's go get some work in. But like, it's that type of stuff that he instilled in me to realize like this, this goal that I have, it's in my control. And no matter what, we're going to keep working for it. So if you want to go back and listen to that episode with my dad, I have that episode in the show notes. But he was super inspirational for me and he still is to this day based on the fact that he always believed in me, um, sometimes more than I believed in myself. All right, number three, great coaches, they focus more on the process rather than the result. I'm going to say that one more time. They focus more on the process rather than the result. So obviously winning is important. <laughs> like we got to win to like make it to nationals. We got to win to um, be able to be showcased, you know, in front of college coaches one day, like winning is important. But it's not the end-all, be-all for great coaches. Um, what I find is coaches that struggle tend to make winning the only thing that matters. And therefore, when you don't win, you know sometimes they're in a bad mood, the team's in a bad mood, and it's hard to get over that hump. But coaches that invest in the process, realizing that 
we're going to lose games. But what are we going to do this week in practice to make sure we don't make those same mistakes again? They put more into the process than anything and practice. Uh, So I had Caitlin Lowe, who is like my all-time ultimate role model (laughs) on the podcast. Uh, This is, I think, in 2020. She was one of my first interviews, one of my favorites, of course, because she was the person that I looked up to. But she talked about how inspirational Mike Candrea was on her career as a player and now her coaching career because she has taken his spot as the head coach for Arizona. And she talked about how much he invested in, into practice. And in games, it's like he barely said anything. Like obviously he said things when he needed to say things, but he kind of just let the game breathe and let the players do what they've practiced. And that is that is exemplifying the process to a T. Like if you invest so much time into practice, making practice harder than a game, and then games just seem simple and fun, that is where your team will end up finding their best. And when their best is needed is when they will have it. So I think coaches that really focus more on not the outcomes, but the process behind what great teams do, what great cultures do, those are the coaches that end up finding more wins just naturally because of how they do things. So if you want to head to Caitlin Lowe's episode, all the episodes that I refer today, which are going to be many because there are so many great coaches we've had on the podcast, I'm going to have all of these in order. I'm going to do my best to make sure they're in order in the show notes. So wherever you're listening, um, just click on the info uh, underneath the episode and you'll be able to find links to the particular episode that maybe I'm referring to. All right. So that's number three. Number four, they're obviously smarter than you. Like you better be coached by somebody who knows more than you. If you're not, you're on the wrong team, but they're smarter than you, but they don't hold that above your head. I kind of referred to this a little bit earlier, but there's a humility aspect to great coaches. Um, Obviously they know more than you, but they don't like push it down your throat. Like, Hey, I know more than you do what I say. Because then that becomes like a dictatorship rather than a team. And when a team can almost be on the same level as their players and show this amount of humility, like, hey, like I, yes, I know what I'm saying, but I want you to like try the thing and then realize that the thing works and then you decide that that thing's going to work for you instead of, Hey, do this because I'm smarter than you. And nobody says that out loud, but like the way it's portrayed, um, sometimes that's what the athlete will hear, but they don't hold it over your head. They simply give you the task and say, all right, go do it. And then maybe they have like a conversation afterwards, like, Hey, how did that make you feel? Like, what, what part about that worked for you? What maybe didn't work for you? They're always open and honest. And again, this humility factor, it's so hard to learn. I was blessed with parents who really made sure I was a humble athlete. But that humility aspect, it's not just for the athletes to have. It's for great coaches. Though They have this humility aspect as well. Like if you were to talk to anybody who's been coached by a Hall of Famer, like you will know that they aren't always right, but they also are super humble in the process of like, it's not about me, it's about you, right? It's not about me, it's about you. And you will see that with the best of the best coaches. All right, number five, great coaches are always learning, 
always learning. So whether that's learning more about the game itself, like how to do better with cuts and relays or how to have a better jump at first base to make sure you're safe or better reads for the base runners. I'm obsessed with base running. You guys know that. But they're constantly learning and wanting to grow their own perspective of the game. And maybe they're also learning how to be better for you. They're taking courses in regards to how to be a more humble coach. They're taking courses on how to build better relationships with you. And they're constantly investing in their own growth. So this is where like growth mindset, you guys, I think everybody has heard that, but like you really find the best of the best coaches are investing in themselves. They're reading the books. They're going to conferences. NFCA puts on incredible conferences every year. Those coaches that are listening right now, they do a really great job of doing regional conferences. So like smaller ones with some like elite, elite um, D1 coaches, D2 coaches, just great coaches in general. They're also holding a massive convention <laughs> the day that you're listening to this podcast. And it, this one's in San Antonio, but they every year have a massive convention in December, basically to teach coaches like how to be better. How can we learn from the best? So they are listening to the podcast. They are um, you know, stalking these coaches on Instagram to see how are they communicating with their players? What are they doing in their practices? And they're always invested in learning more, which is why the energy at these NFCA conferences, last year was my first one ever. It's just so high because everybody wants to learn. Everybody wants to grow. And of course, you'll like find the one or two coaches that really don't want to be there. But like other than those one or two, everybody else is like asking the questions, not being afraid to, you know, Talk to somebody who's a big wig that, you know, when you realize that you tap on their shoulder, Coach Hutch is like the first person that comes to mind, um, Coach Carol Hutchins. She just retired this year. She is the most humble coach of them all, and she's always learning. So this is kind of a neat story that I got to experience this year. But my sister, obviously, I don't know if you, how long you've been listening, but she played at Michigan for her like sixth year of eligibility. It's a long story. She got injured and um, COVID year, she got it back, but she played for Hutch in her final season. And I was invited up to a practice just to kind of like observe and then talk to Hutch afterwards about hitter, hitters a little bit. And she was like, what did you see in this player? And she was like, hang on, let's talk about this. And she was asking me questions. And I'm sitting here 29 years old looking at Hutch like, you know, you could easily just play the card of like, I'm the big wig here. Nope. She doesn't do that. Why do you think she's been so successful in the big 10 and in the entire country? It's this aspect of she's always wanting to learn and ask questions. I, I was blown away that day. And I was like, man, I need to be more of this. I need to be asking the questions. I need to be calling up my friends, texting them every once in a while, like, hey, like, I want to get better. And I noticed that that is what the best of the best coaches do. So if you want to actually get to know Hutch a little bit more, it was ironic that the day she announced her re retirement was the day we launched her podcast episode on this podcast, but she shares a lot about culture and a lot about leadership and how she just runs her ship. And obviously she did a great job of it. If you want to learn a little bit more about how she did it, go to the show notes. You can find her episode. I have not done a listener shout out in a hot minute. 
Um, which is on me because you guys are writing such incredible reviews and I have not checked them in a while and I'm looking at some of these and I'm almost in tears, but I'm going to do a listener shout out today. Uh, this is from <laughs> number 34, number 16, dad. I'm guessing those are your kids numbers, which I love that. And he said, grateful and glued to this podcast. It says, I'm always in search for a podcast that will help me help my kids and other kids I interact with. A lot are very hard to listen to because of the host voices, blah. Ashley draws you in with her sincere love for the game mentally and physically. Oh my gosh, this, it just uh, brightens my day to see these reviews. Um, And thank you so much for the five-star review. Thank you so much for the kind words. I'm glad it is portrayed in this podcast that I love this game more than anything, um, which is why I'll be coaching it forever. But thank you so much for just taking those few minutes to write this review. It helps this podcast boost in the rankings. And when it boosts in the rankings, it gets seen by more people and listened to by more people, I should say. So if you have ever thought about maybe writing a review, maybe it's five stars, maybe it's not. I'm always willing to learn. Please just take that minute, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, um, wherever you're listening, just to give us a quick little review. I would love it if you did that because it helps more people get this message out. And for those of you that share this podcast, thank you so much. I am so grateful for you. Again, I am so grateful for, for your amazing review and for anybody else that leaves them as well. Thank you so much. You are not going unnoticed for writing these and you guys give me goosebumps every time. <laughs> All right, let's head back to this episode. All right, number six. Great coaches, they push you and they test you, always showing that you're capable of more. They push you past your limits. But the only way, guys, the only way coaches are able to do this and push their players past their limits is if there's this trust factor that they have. So no kid is going to want to hold a plank for two minutes um, for a coach that just like doesn't care about them. Like you have to care about your players for your players to go above and beyond and do things that they never thought possible. So obviously they need to be able to trust you, but also like once you find and build that trust in that culture of just like, this is the standard, we, we go hard and we do it together and we do it as a team but they're able to get so much more out of their players than anyone. Prime example was one of my coaches, JT Gasso. He was, he is, yes, the Oklahoma hitting coach, but he was one of our assistant coaches at Purdue, one of my seasons. And this like bond we had, it was like so weird. It was like one of those where I felt like I had like a friend as my coach, but like when he told me to do something, like I did it and I did it as well as I could because he, I wanted to do well for him because he knew that I could do it. And like, obviously he pushed me and from a hitting perspective, you know, he was the one like willing to put in the extra work with me and building that relationship with me. And he was one of the first coaches to help me realize like, Hey, this is in my own court and he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure that like I get as good as I can, which means he's going to freaking make me do things I don't want to do. But when I do them, I get stronger, I get faster, I get better. And he was one of the first coaches that I thought of that really got that out of me. And yes, he was my first interview ever on the podcast. JT Gasso, do you want to learn how he runs the ship at for the hitters at Oklahoma? 
I learned a ton from that conversation. But man, oh man, did he push me. But I always grew when he did. And I wasn't going to be able to do that unless he and I developed this trust factor. And he had this with other players, of course, as well. But that is one of those coaches that really stood out to me and helped me realize what my true potential is. All right, number seven, great coaches, they help you love the game. And this is, I could say this about JT again. They help you just make sure that you are in your element and you are loving getting better and you are loving being pushed and you are loving the process and loving games again. Like if you're ever going through, and I've, and this happened to me in college, I was going through a funk of like, do I even want to play college softball anymore? But then there ended up being a turnover of coaches. And then these new coaches, they really got so much out of me because I started loving the game again. I started realizing like this process is mine and mine to own. And just the love of the game is something that can easily be lost with a bad coach. I've had that happen to me in multiple sports. You kind of lose your fire for it. But if you are with the right coach or the right team that allows you to just love the game and play freely and, you know, go for the ball that you don't even know you're going to be able to go get and you do and everybody around you is like going nuts and going crazy, like that starts at the top. And when you create that culture around just like loving the people to your right and to your left, loving and respecting the coach that obviously is running the practice, taking care of the team, and then everybody else involved with the program, like that is a must. The best teams, they love the game. Um, And maybe that's not from, you know, all 15 to 20 of your roster, depending on where you're at in the game. Maybe maybe there are one or two that don't love it, but you are surrounded by tons of people who love the game. They love you and they want to do better for you. The best coaches help their players love the game and realize how fun it is and keep it fun. I've seen like every coach that has like these super long practices, I swear there's always like a game involved. Like maybe it's a game at the end where it's like rock, paper, scissors around the bases, or it's a game of tag as your warm up. Like you got to keep it fun. Because if it's not fun, you're not going to want to put in the work later. But these special moments of fun, it's, it's going to help you love the game more. And the best coaches help you love the game. All right, number eight is one of my favorites. Great coaches have high standards and hold you to them. They don't waver from the standard. The standard is the standard. It is the every day. It is the, this is how we warm up. This is how we show up at the field. This is how we present ourselves on game day. This is how early we show up for certain things. These standards are a must. And these standards are never wavered. Not for one player, not for anyone. Standards is the standard. And great coaches do not deviate from the standards. Two coaches are coming to mind that we've had on the podcast. Um, Beth Zachary, she's one of the most elite high school head coaches here in Indiana. I had her on the podcast talking about culture and how she has high standards for her players, but they are one of the top programs in the state every single year. And that's not by mistake. This is what Beth owns for her team, which is why they're consistently successful. Another podcast episode that comes to mind is with Lauren Hager. 
Higgs was a two-time national champion at Florida. She was my teammate for two years for the Dallas Charge, and now she is one of the assistant coaches for a very premier travel ball team in North Carolina. Like I think from top down, all of their players go play softball like from this team, whether it's D1, D2, whatever. But they have a very tight ship, and their standards are not just standards for the players. They have also standards for the parents, which I think is really cool because it's like not just the players signing the contract, you know, for the standard. It's like the the parents also, like there's a standard. You do not talk to the coaches in games and you do not talk to the coaches about playing time. That is the athlete's job. And these players are high school players that, you know, are a little more mature than the seven-year-olds, but I just love that her and her team hold these super high standards. But again, another nationally ranked team. And then Beth Zachary's team is a nationally ranked team, but also one of the top in the state. I firmly believe the reason why their teams are so good is because their coaches have high standards and they do not deviate from them at all. So if you're a coach, really focus on, if you don't have standards for your team, think of some. You know, even if it's just five of them, but like things that you do not deviate from no matter what, and you hold them accountable. If you're late, here's what you have to do. There is a punishment and there always will be. You know, I had a basketball coach that I didn't necessarily love, but he had a standard for the team that said, if you miss a practice, you will not play in the next game. And I was going on a college visit at the time and I missed a practice and I didn't play in the next game. And I obviously was like, I wish I was playing, but I knew that going into it and he kept the standard. I was one of the better players in the team and he still sat me. Maybe it's for the first half of the game. I don't know. But either way, that standard was not changed due to the fact that I was one of the elite players on the team. I missed a practice. Here's my consequence. It's like one of those where when you sign the contract and I don't know if I signed a contract that year, but if you know the standard and the standard is kept, you can't complain about it. So make standards. All right. Number nine, we are almost there. Great coaches, they lead by example. They do what they say they're going to do. When I say a coach leads by example, okay, I'm not saying like the 80-year-old high school coach isn't going to like go hit dingers like he wants his players to. He's not going to run the bases the same. But there is something to say for someone who holds themselves highly and then expects the team to also do the same. How you show up is how your players will show up. And if your players know that you're going to do the things that you say you're going to do, they're going to show up different. This is where they, the trust factor comes back in. Your players will have ultimate trust in you if you lead by that example and do what you say you are going to do. Hey, uh, hey guys, we're going to go. If you guys win this game, we're going to go get ice cream afterwards. Okay, you win the game, go get ice cream. Like do what you say you're going to do. But if you say something along the lines of, hey, if we don't get this done, we're going to do 10 burpees. And if you do get it done, I'll do the 10 burpees. Like building that trust is essential for your players to realize that you're in it with them. There's something there's something about that that gets you a, a little bit more out of the players that you have. So lead by example. Always, always, always. Um, I mentioned Caitlin Lowe earlier, but she was that player that, you know, I watched from afar, from my couch, actually, while she was competing at Arizona and then for Team USA. But she 
always like carried herself well. She didn't, you know, throw anything after a bat at bat. She was just like even keeled. And I'm not saying that's how everybody should play, but that was how I was attracted to end up playing. And she does the same thing as a coach now. And I feel like when your coach is not like up and down and sideways and crazy, and you never know who you're going to get on a certain day, but when they're kind of just like even keeled and you know what you're going to get, like there is something amazing about that, especially as a player. You don't want to go into practice saying, oh, coach is in a bad mood today and you're going to be on your heels all day because they're in a bad mood. No, your coach is the same. You're constant. And of course, we all have our good days and bad days. But if we can allow ourselves for the most part to be consistent and be constant, there's something amazing about that. So just think about that if you're a coach or even a parent, like... How can we make sure we show up at our best as often as possible and have a consistent way about us? I need to work on that actually a ton. All right. Number 10, they teach you more than the game and the drills. They realize that the game is bigger than wins and losses. The game is bigger than having the perfect swing. The game is bigger than having the perfect defense. Like obviously we want to strive for as close to perfection as we can get, especially with drill work and you know just making sure that we just know what we're doing, especially fundamentally. But they know that there's more. The fact that this game can teach you discipline and teamwork and ultimate accountability and having a high work ethic, what does that look like? Owning the little things, learning failure recovery, Having that mental fortitude to allow you to still be at your prime in the seventh inning. Like these are the things the best coaches are teaching their players. It's more than wins and losses. It's more than having a certain batting average. Obviously the coaches need to know the batting average and some stats so they can like put together the best lineup. That's important. But the end all be all isn't like, let's get our stats super high. Even those players who like want to play in college, let me tell you, like stats are just one tiny little piece of it. College coaches aren't recruiting a kid just because their stats say like 700 or 600 batting average, because that could mean a lot of things. I hit like 600 my senior year in high school, but like of the 20 games we played, five of them were like super intense, good games. So that's like a stat that doesn't mean as much right? So it's not about stats with the great coaches. It's about learning discipline. It's about having a good work ethic and having high standards and creating this accountability aspect with, within your players, within your coaching staff, and with those two combined. It's more than just a perfect swing. It's more than stats. It's more than games. And the best coaches allow the little things to be the big things. The last one, it's, I mean, I, I said that there were only 10. You guys know me. I like to add another one because as I was putting together this list, I was like, shoot, I really don't know where to put this one. And I, I kind of alluded to it earlier with my dad and number two, but the greatest coaches do also, they make you want to put in the extra work. Like when you're playing for the right person or the right team and you know your standard and your expectation and your goal for the year is to like go compete in this one tournament and like make top 10 or make top five. When you have a team that like is so bought in and a coach 
who helps you feel that buy-in, you tend to like want to show up for them. I was listening to a recent podcast episode. Um, it's called The Gold Standard by Leah Amico. And she was talking about how like when she played for Mike Andrea at Arizona, she also played for him in the Olympics as well. She's like, I wanted to just go do well for him. She was saying how she was standing in the box and looking over at coach. And he just like looked at her with like this affirmation, gave her a couple claps. And she was just like, yeah, like he didn't have to get in my face or any of this. Like she was just like, he looked at me like I was a million bucks and I was going to do it. And therefore I believed I could do it. And she, and she was one of the best hitters in the entire world. And it's just crazy how much a coach can get more out of you by simply just showing that they believe in you. You're going to, as a player, want to put in the extra work for a coach who like puts in the extra work for you that stays after practice for 10 minutes to really work on that backhand that you struggled with in practice. You know the coaches that go the extra mile for you, you're going to want to go the extra mile for them. Dang. Is this episode over already? Are you kidding me? Did we already go through all 10? I feel like we should do just like a short little recap of these 10 and maybe save this. If you're a coach that just like wants to every year, just make sure you're like keeping high with your own standards and make sure you're still at your best for your players. Feel free to save this one, share it with your other fellow coaches. <laughs> like I know the great coaches out there that are listening. You have other people in your corner that are also wanting to learn as well. And if you're maybe on the same page with a lot of these, maybe this is the perfect episode to share with them. But before you do that, let's talk about the 10 ways you know you're with a great coach. One, they admit when they're wrong. Two, they inspire you to think bigger than yourself. Three, they put more focus on the process rather than the result. Four, they're smarter than you, but they remain humble and they don't shove it down your throat that they're smarter than you. They're on the same level as their players. Five, they're constantly learning and investing in their own growth. Six, they push you and they test you, but showing you that you're always capable of more. Seven, they help you love the game. Simple as that. Eight, they have a high standard and they never deviate from that standard. Nine, they lead by example and do what they say they're going to do. 10, they teach you that the game is more than the game. It's more than the swing. It's more than the stats. It's about discipline, teamwork, accountability, work ethic, learning how to successfully go over the failure recovery aspect that is so hard. They teach you mental fortitude. And then our bonus was they make you want to put in the extra work because they put in the extra work for you. Now, there are many people on this podcast that we've had on here that are also coaches that I didn't even mention, like Amanda Scarborough, one of the best pitching coaches in the country right now. Morgan Stewart, she is a defensive coach. They have these qualities as well. So even though I didn't mention all of the coaches we've had on the podcast, the greatest, the ones that exemplify these just 10, and I know there's a million more things about them. There's a reason why I invite them on the podcast. There's a reason why I want to pick their brain and see what makes them tick and what makes their players better than the other players. Like, it's these things. So 
If you're constantly wanting to learn, maybe go back in the archives. Check out that first interview I ever had with JT Gasso in 2020. That was a fun episode. I was nervous as heck for it, but it was it was so fun. But if you are the coach that I know you are or the parent that I know you are, you are constantly going to keep learning how you can be better for your players. And if you're a player listening, this is what you should be looking for. And realize as well, like a lot of these aspects of like how coaches get them get a lot out of their players. This also comes from you, right? But if you have a coach that has these qualities, you better let them know it. Like, hey coach, thanks for spending extra time with me on this. They deserve to be praised. They deserve your focus and discipline. If you if you if you have a coach like this and you're late to practice and you half I don't know the other way to say it. If you if you're going to have these on practice and you are not going all out, shame on you. You got you got to be able to recognize a great coach and show up for them the way you would want other people to show up for you. I loved recording this episode. I'm sad it's already over. But again, if you enjoyed it, please share it maybe on your Facebook page, on your Instagram, or just share it with a friend. Because I think we all can grow from knowing that we have these types of coaches in our corner. And maybe you're a coach that like didn't have one or two of these. And you're like, I want to spend some time on this. Great. Then this, this episode was recorded for you. But thanks again so much for hanging out with me on the podcast. I'm excited to show you what's going to be on here next week, next Wednesday. But do not forget, stay humble, stay awkward, of course. Keep smiling and keep working on yourself never stop. All right, friends, I'll see you next week.